Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Uh, this is a good problem to have, I'd say, in church that we're running out of space. This is excellent. Uh, so good to be with you guys. Uh, if you remember us at all, uh, we were here four years ago. Our daughter who was running around, she was three days old. This was her first church she was ever in. Now she's off to Sunday school. Uh, it's so good to be back. Um, so this morning, we just want to share with you a little bit about our ministry with MAF, Mission Aviation Fellowship, and where we're serving. So my wife, Karen, here, she's been with me for a little bit. Uh, we're going to uh, share, uh, give you guys a bit of an update on what's going on, and we'll open the Word of God uh, in a little bit as well, okay? Um, so yeah, we are Chris, Karen, uh, we go back to the second slide there if you don't mind. We are Chris, Karen, William, Addison, and Caitlin Ball. Yeah, we're serving with Mission Aviation Fellowship in South Sudan. Uh, we've been there since 2014, so we've done two terms, four years as a term. Uh, been in the country uh, about seven years in total as well with a bunch of the training I had to do, and I'm serving as the chief pilot and crew training manager now within the program. We're here today just to say thank you. Uh, thank you for Crestwick's faithful support and your prayer and the ministry that's going on here to keep us overseas as we get to support those on the front lines of missions. And it's really cool. And we hope to bring you a bit of an update on what's going on and how we're a part of that today. Our vision at MAF is to see isolated people changed by the love of Christ. And our mission is to serve together to bring help, hope, and healing through aviation. We want to share a short video with you and give you a bit of a glimpse of what MAF does, kind of get you back into the mindset of what kind of ministry we get to be a part of overseas. So that just gives you a general overview of what we're up to. Uh, MAF is worldwide. Uh, we, have, we serve with about 123-plus aircraft. We're serving in 27-plus countries around the world. Uh, last year, obviously, with COVID, things slowed down a little bit. In our program in South Sudan, we ended up getting busier, which is a good problem to have as well. Uh, so we did uh, 27,000 hours of flying last year worldwide. We've transported more than 82,000 people on these small planes. We've delivered more than 3.5 million kilograms, not pounds of freight. Uh, and worldwide, MAF has about 1,200 staff, national, international. We're serving over 1,400 organizations worldwide. Uh, and we land at about 12, well, give or take 1,200 uh, 1,200 destinations as well. So when you do the math and you plug it all in, that works out to about an aircraft taking off or landing every six minutes, okay? So we are very busy in that way. MAF has actually been flying in South Sudan since the 1950s, though. It's one of the very first programs that MAF started and started uh, looking into how to serve. Um, today, South Sudan is actually still the world's newest country in the world as well, as of 2011. Um, we have seen a little bit of growth, but sadly, it's become one of the most uh, corrupt countries in the world, and we are serving there. We desperately need uh, God's peace in the country, and, but most importantly, we need the hope and good news uh, that Jesus Christ uh, to change people's lives. The country's population sits at about 13 million people. And we did see some good progress a few years back in 2018, uh, where there was a peace deal that was signed between warring tribes. Um, we're still in that implementation process from 2018. We have yet to have an election as well. So if you can continue to pray for the country, they're, they're in real need uh, of, of development. The last couple of years, we've really seen a lot of devastation. Uh, if you can go to the next slide there. This is an airstrip that you see. It's called uh, a place called Jitch. It's an 800-meter strip uh, we go into on a regular basis. And the last two years, we've seen extreme flooding and famine because of the flooding. Um, so this is 
last year's flooding, and this was in the dry season, I took this picture, they've had yet more rain still, so you can imagine how things are, um, and just the devastation that we've seen from that. Uh, through floods, we've had famine, we've had cattle raiding, a lot of communal fighting, there's been an increase in child marriage, road ambushes, and banditry continue just to plague the nation. So we are working in a broken world. Um, the UN has one of the largest presences in South Sudan in the whole world. Um, there are tens of thousands of AIDS workers as well um, working throughout the country. Uh, I'm very happy to report and, uh, that MAF is doing quite well within the country. We seem to be getting busier. We're working with a lot of partners, and it, it's awesome. Uh, we continue to see our ministry flourish. Uh, we build with our partnership development with the many uh, people that are on the ground, the hands and feet, getting them there safely and back again and giving them, uh, providing them transport for all kinds of stuff. Um, so we are bringing, in the, this coming year, we're bringing another aircraft online to our program. We have four, possibly five new pilots that will be joining our program uh, next year. And MAF, is, we've had to build a new residential compound to meet that need of people and the influx that's going on. So that's the place where we're living now. Um, and it's really neat, part of that community that we live in these homes here, we have a well there, and we're able to give, uh, provide fresh and clean drinking water to our community around us as well, so they're not having to walk for miles and find a clean water source. So what an awesome opportunity to just be uh, friends and just be a witness into our community outside of our compound walls. I mentioned earlier, uh, when we came back from four years ago, um, the MAF South Sudan program asked me to take on the chief pilot and crew training uh, role, so I, uh, I did that, and it has been, um, it's been good. It's been a, a, a good learning experience in leadership now on the senior leadership team. Uh, I get to do a lot of training. I do about 50-50 of admin work and flying as well, depending on the week, but I'm responsible for a lot of the training and scheduling and check flights for all the guys that are out there. When COVID landed last year, uh, my family and I, we were actually in Uganda on a holiday. Uh, we didn't expect that, uh, that to be an issue. And we were grateful that the MAF Uganda program flew us, now think about it, flew us back to safety into South Sudan, okay? We fled Uganda back for safety to South Sudan because that's where our home was. Uh, we actually had colleagues that were stuck in Uganda when the borders locked down for five months. They couldn't leave. So we were so grateful to be at home in South Sudan um, and that's where we, we rode it out. Um, we were shut down for a couple weeks uh, when the government closed things off, but we were grateful we had the permissions to open back up again. And we mainly just flew cargo. Uh, that was our main task. And uh, we mainly flew cargo for a lot of our partner organizations. Uh, a couple of those partner organizations have aircraft, but they're not based in the country, in the capital where we are. They're based in Kenya and Uganda. And so when Samaritan's Purse and Africa Inland Mission, their aviation division, so AIM Air, realized they couldn't get into South Sudan, they picked up the phone, they called us, and they said, hey, can you help? And we said, absolutely. So, so awesome to have a great working relationship. And we're not in, on any competition with uh, other folks and mission organizations that way. And we mainly flew for them. So this is me, we landed on a road. Uh, Samaritan's Purse shuts the road down up north. Um, the, the road doesn't go to anywhere, it just kinda goes A to B and that's about it. Um, they sh shut the road down every time the plane comes in. They, they pull up with the, the pickup truck and we offload about a metric ton of cargo for them. So awesome opportunities there. 
when COVID restrictions kind of lifted a little bit, our first passenger was actually for a missionary lady, an elderly lady. She had fallen and broken her hip about five days before this flight, and she was in a lot of pain, and we were able, grateful to help her out and get her medevac down to the capital, and that's her on the screen there. I did mention earlier we've seen a huge rise in road insecurity, especially outside the city. Um, there are roads, and, and if they are passable, um, you can see they're, they're a bit risky as well of getting stuck, but banditry is very high. People will shoot you to steal your wallet and push you off into the ditch. And so that's why aircraft are used in South Sudan still. Um, we receive emails on a daily basis of, of killings and road ambushes all the time, and it's just so sad to hear about that. Um, tragically, we've actually flown um, NGO workers, or I say NGO, uh, I'll, I'll explain it, a non-government organization, a Christian NGO or NGO. Uh, we fly aid workers out into the field all the time, and we unfortunately have to fly them back in body bags as well because of road ambushes that have to happen. Um, yeah, it's just... Um, it's so good to have the ministry there and how MEF has uh, positioned ourselves as we've set up uh, shuttle flights, kind of like a scheduled service, uh, very similar, where we have six shuttle flights each week and we go to a certain area and uh, people can book a subsidized uh, seat or, or flight and hop on with us and we'll get you to where you need to go safely and efficiently as well. Um, I have the privilege this morning of telling you about the many partners that we partner with. MAF is used, MAF is used as a vehicle to support our many partners. The first one is Peace Building Opportunities. They're a Christian organization based out of the UK, and they bring together warring tribes, chiefs and soldiers, people that are fighting, actually fighting with guns against each other. They come together and they're taught biblical principles of peace and reconciliation. And this organization also brings in their own culture, the own culture of South Sudan, so that the people can come to true peace with each other. The second picture here you can see is many men, chief leaders and tribal leaders, warriors, coming together under a tree right beside Chris's airplane. And they're having deep conversations about what peace and reconciliation would look like in their community. It's just an awesome thing to be a part of. One of our favorite partners to fly with is called Indeed and Truth Ministries. They run a mission hospital, a Christian hospital, mostly for women and children. Um, MAF flies into their airstrip every Wednesday. We bring in groceries, medical supplies, we help with patient transfers, or bringing their staff in and out. The hospital in the past and throughout South Sudan, there is many um, infant deaths, many babies are dying. And so what we've been able to do is fly in some incubators. They don't look like much, and they aren't much. They're sitting on top of some um, rubber totes, and each of these incubators is actually holding two infants. But these incubators that Chris was able to fly up are really saving the lives of babies, and it's just a beautiful miracle. Just a few months ago, IDAT had four broken oxygen concentrators and no one to fix them. They had some doctors and nurses up there, but they didn't have a maintenance crew to fix them. So we have a great relationship with all of our partners, and so they sent a little joke saying that their oxygen concentrators needed to get sent down, that they were gonna be dead on arrival, these machines, and that they needed one of our staff to lay hands um, and gather and, and fix them. We're really blessed not just to have pilots, but other skilled staff as well. 
And so we have a maintenance team that does a lot of maintenance and electrician work. And so James from MAF Australia, he's on our team. He's a master electrician. He was able to fix these four broken oxygen concentrators. And the next week, Wednesday, um, one of our teammates flew them back up for the team. So just an amazing way to partner. For every patient that runs through this IDAC clinic, a chaplain, a South Sudanese man will pray with them and will share the gospel. It's so amazing to see these churches, this church that they've been planting with their mission hospital come alive and for um, there to be many, many baptisms. It's just a real blessing to see. Um, another exciting opportunity we have is to fly missionaries up into the north of South Sudan. They are actually missionaries and serving in Sudan, but they cannot fly into Sudan as missionaries. So they come through Juba and we get them as far as possible as we can by air. Then they have to go by road into where they're serving, which is in the Nuba Mountains, which is a really war-torn area with many unreached people. It's really exciting for us. Sadly, um, in the news this weekend is, yeah, devastating news of what's going on in Sudan. But over the last year, we have seen improvement. They have allowed um, churches to open. They have allowed their country to celebrate Christmas. And MAF is looking towards the opportunity that as things politically settle down, we would actually be able to fly into Sudan and not only serve South Sudan, but legally fly into Sudan as well. So would you pray for that with us? Another one of our partners is Africa Inland Mission, or AIM. Once a month, a colleague and I purchase a long list of groceries. Many of these missionaries, um, American and Canadian families, are living in very isolated areas where they cannot buy any food, not apples, fresh meat, not even toilet paper. And so we collect all the groceries that they need throughout our city and we put them on a plane. And once a month, we have a flight dedicated just to bring all the missionaries in our country the things that they need. We've also flown in things like building supplies. 5.5 tons one day. Uh, it took five trips alone to get that all in, just so that two single missionary women could build a house for themselves in a really isolated community. We're also able to provide medical evacuations. Um, this gentleman here, he was one of the team leaders for AIM, and he was playing sports with his kid on a Sunday afternoon, and his nose got broken. And so we were able to fly him in to get his nose set in the capital. Another girl was 16 years old. She's a missionary kid, and um, her appendix was about to burst. So her parents were also able to get her on a flight, and she flew down for life-saving surgery. All of these flights are simple. We're just a vehicle, just a way to transport these people. But it's such a beautiful way to partner with AIM and support them, because they're the ones reaching the unreached people. They're the ones bringing good news and the gospel to South Sudan. And it's our joy to serve alongside of you guys to bring the gospel in this way. Um, as a teacher myself, I've been able to teach at our kids' small international Christian school. It's for missionary kids, and we have a big problem right now where we don't have enough teachers for our missionary kids. So if any of you are teachers or know someone who might be called to this, uh, we would love for you to pray about it and think about joining our team. My passion is actually to teach English through um, the Bible at our local mud hut schools. We live in a community with a lot of refugees, many teenagers that don't know how to read or write. And so I'm able to share the gospel, a lot of religious freedom to bring the Bible and Bible stories into the classroom. I've been able to also help start a feeding program as well and helping with getting food for the, the hungry kids in our community. 
Um, we continue to raise support as well. We have four teenage girls that we, um, our family has, has brought into our home. They haven't been adopted by us, but we love them like our own. They were rescued off the streets in Juba. And recently they had the opportunity to go to boarding school in Uganda. And so as a family, we're just committed to tell their story about how brave they were, um, how they've gone through a lot, and yet um, they've, yeah, they've escaped child marriage and a lot of abuse, and they've been able to get to Uganda for schooling. So that's a beautiful thing as well. We praise God for his protection. Um, Chris is explaining to you today how dangerous of a place it is, and yet we live there as a family. Um, over the last four years, we've fled a fire. We've been stopped at gunpoint. We've been wrongly accused. We've had hundreds of traffic stops by police, and there's been many poisonous snakes on our compound. But through it all, we are here to just thank God and praise him. He has been our ever-present help in trouble. Um, he's been our refuge and our strength. And we just praise God that together as a family, we're doing well. And we can just, yeah, um, love serving him despite the many challenges of working in South Sudan. So that's a bit of our update. We'd love to just share a short video here before we open. And um, yeah, my wife has packed about four years of kind of what we've done to about three minutes and give you a bit of an idea and update on our family, and we'll go from there. So this morning, I just want to open the Word of God with you a little bit. If you want to grab your Bibles, devices, whatever you've got there, we're going to open up to Psalm 9, and we're going to look at that psalm. And this morning, I just want to share a little bit about serving in a broken world. We serve in a broken country um, of South Sudan for Karen and I. We could almost say the same thing about Canada in a way as well. Um, and I, I want to I uh, reflect on how we see God working and, and, and doing some amazing things through some of the struggles that we're going through. Let's read through Psalm 9. We're just going to touch for a few minutes here on a few things. Let's go. I will recount your wonderful deeds, it says. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations, you have made the wicked perish, you have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out, the very memory of them has perished, but the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praise to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. For he who avenges blood uh, is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Verse 13, be gracious to me, O Lord, see my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made, in the net they have hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the works of their own hands. The wicked shall return to Sheol all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. 
In this passage here, we see David, he's just rejoicing over the victory that's been won over Israel, his, how his enemies have come in to attack him and how they've been defeated. Um, he's writing this directly to God, and he's just celebrating the goodness of God, how he's protected them as a nation. He's also looking in the big vision. He's looking in the future in the direction that uh, Israel's going. And he, he sees, David saw uh, that picture of the final judgment and the victory uh, when God will judge the world in the end. He's looking forward to what is to come on that day of judgment when, when Jesus returns. When we read this passage, Karen and I, we just related it so much to what's been going on and what we've experienced, what we've seen going on in South Sudan through the good and the bad. Verse one and two, it says, I will give thanks to the Lord my God with my whole heart. I will count your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Each term, it's, it's this time, we, we have a time to reflect and go back through those days of struggle. Some of those are days are the hardest days you'll ever have to go through. And I'll come and sit on the floor in the kitchen because it's usually the coolest place to sit and I'll share how my day went, but man, how God worked through those days. It's so awesome to see. Verse four, it said, it mentions, you maintain my just cause. And I mentioned before, we serve in a broken world, the South Sudan. It's corrupt, it's poor, it's in dire need of so many things. Um, working there, it can be draining from the heat, the officials, the government red tape we have to go through. Um, there's a lot of political attention uh, that, that pulls and drives the nation in so many ways. There's rampant corruption. We've seen disastrous floods, extreme famine in the last couple years. And man, it's a difficult situation for missionaries on the front lines to be in, uh, worshiping and trying to uh, help people understand the word of God. We are serving in a broken world, and let me explain more. Verse nine, it talks about God is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And times of trouble, that really translates to times of extremity, extremity. And we're seeing that in some ways with the famine and flooding that's going on. I don't know if you know, but South Sudan has the Nile River running through it. It has the world's largest swamp. And when you have uh, the waters come in in the rainy season, that swamp just swells out and expands to almost double its size. It engulfs the nations. There's no hills. It's all flat lands out there. Um, And so we see uh, huge things happening. Uh, Through civil war, tribal fighting, Hundreds of thousands of people have run from their homes in refugee camps, afraid for their lives. Almost a million people have been displaced from their homes just due to the flooding last year alone as well. Imagine your farmlands being waist deep in water. I've literally seen a picture of NGO workers out in the field um, sitting at a plastic table eating their supper and the water's just underneath their chairs. It's that high and there's nowhere to go. Civil servants who haven't been paid their salaries in six, nine, 10, 12 months plus. But God is a stronghold for the oppressed. And we're really seeing that. The church is growing in South Sudan. People are coming to know Christ. It's so awesome. Verse 10, it says, those who know you put your trust in you. You have not forsaken them. Verse 15 and 16, that reminds us, that reminds me anyway about the corruption that we're seeing. People are being found out. Justice is being served finally. Um, corruption is, is slowly stopping. It's a big hill to climb, but we're seeing some real good progress happening as well. Pastor Bernard, who teaches at our, Pastor Bernard is our local pastor at the church, the community church that we're a part of. It's an evangelical uh, church. 
Uh, he's South Sudanese, born and raised, trained in the UK, served with a lot of uh, South Sudanese refugees in Australia, and his heart was to come back to the country and plant a church. And now we have the school connected with the church. Um, and how awesome to see people coming from all nations together and gathering. And he said this, he said, South Sudan is like a 10-year-old acting like a toddler. It should be grow- a growing, developing country, but it's still only crawling. That's hard to hear. It's really hard to hear when you have no hope for your own nation. Uh, but people in South Sudan who want to see change, they're becoming frustrated. But to see hope, and they want to see hope and change happening. And I think that's only going to come through the Word of God and Jesus Christ changing hearts and lives. And we're seeing that in communities, and they're flourishing and doing really, really well. Verse 18 to 20, uh, what an awesome, some awesome words here for those. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. This is what people are clinging to. They're, they're going to prevail. Let not man prevail. One day the Lord will put the rebels in this country in their rightful place. And that's what people are clinging to. They have nothing else. They're clinging to God. Those who feel desperate, lost, left behind, will be taken care of in eternity. So sometimes when I'm flying into remote villages, um, we see hundreds of thousands of people waiting in um, uh, lines, waiting for food rations to be handed out. Um, We see families broken and, and, and taken apart for years and years by civil war. Um, living in shelter camps, we live no more than a kilometer away from um, 60 to 80,000 people living in a, a, a camp and shelter. People have been driven from their homes, yet they're believers and they're praising God and they have hope. You want, you want to see tears of joy when kids are coming back from being lost from civil war and taken from warring tribes, be reunited with their family and friends? It's an amazing sight to see. It's so awesome. People live with the knowledge that you are sovereign, O Lord, and you reign over all. And we see this each year in practical ways, especially so many in South Sudan are farmers um, because they need, to, they need to plant crops to feed their, their villages and their families. Yet each year people persevere and they try and try and try again. It's like James 1.12 says, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. In church work, in missions work, any work for that matter of fact, there's always setbacks. There's always times, even myself as a missionary going out, asking the question, what am I doing here? But this is the time we get to see and, and, and understand how God's working through some of those hardest days that we've ever had in our life to give it all up and be like, no way. Because God's at work and we see him doing some real neat things in, in remote and isolated places where villages are coming to know Christ for the first time. is really awesome. Galatians 6.9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. With our partners of AIM, um, we see uh, the, the extremes. We see villages coming to Christ and we see A missionaries pulling out of villages for their own safety because they're driven out almost at gunpoint sometimes because they're not welcome anymore. I can report AIM is planning to go back. They're planning to open up more places. They're, they're looking at new ways, new relationships to build and grow. And how awesome it is that we can be a partner with them to be there, to get them in and out and support their work on a weekly basis so that families and, and missionaries can stay overseas. 
I love what verse nine says. It says, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. For some, this is all they, they cling to, as I said. Um, and in verse 16, I see, the, I, I see the comparison there from verse nine to 16. From those who are clinging to God versus the wicked who are snared in their own works of their hands. Um, yeah, we're, we're so happy to report that justice is being served for the corruption that's, that's being found out and it's, it's rampant throughout the country. We see the beauty through the frustrations. Uh, things are happening. Like our partners at AIM and IDAT, if you want to see a vibrant church, look these guys up online. Indeed and Truth Ministries in Tonge. Um, singing and dancing, people coming to Christ every week, people becoming, like, getting baptized. I, I just want to be there on a Sunday morning. It is so awesome to be working with these missionaries who are doctors and serving in this remote village. It is neat. Um, it can get so frustrating and to have the motivation and press through the, the struggles and the persecution at times. But um, I, I really seek the encouragement where it's written in Philippians 3, 12 to 16. Let's turn there if you've got a second. Um, I'll just read it as you catch up here. Uh, it's just that hope and excitement that we have. Um, it says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, and here we go, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained." Straining towards that goal. That's what we're doing. That's our mission and vision at MAF, right? We want to serve together to bring help, hope, and healing through aviation. And we want to see those isolated people changed by the love of Christ. Let's strain for what lies ahead. So I challenge you. What's God calling you to do? Get involved in church, okay? Uh, through COVID, I know a lot has stopped. Get back involved. Small groups, discipleship, give your time. And, and you'll see how God is going to use you uh, he's put us, each of us here in uh, this place for a reason. And if, if you just, I encourage you just to be used where you are. Uh, and you'll see awesome things coming through God, even through the frustrations. I'll leave you with this. It's all kingdom work when you're in tune with what God, uh, with God using you where you are. And I would say that on the mission field or in Guelph as well. Um, just put yourself out there and let God, God use you, and I challenge you with that as well. Remember this, we want to press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus.